All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, round one playoff matchups. We're going to go over the Western Conference and go over the Eastern Conference playoff odds and who's going to come out ahead and who's winning. Uh, there is one assumption made during the recording of this. The Wizards just went ahead and took care of the Pacers, and we're going to assume that Golden State is going to go ahead and take care of Memphis. So if in the, you know, circumstance that Golden State does not actually win, go ahead and feel free to skip skip the part where I break down that particular matchup, but everything else should be set and ready to go for tip-off on Saturday. Very exciting stuff. So in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. The playoffs are here. The playoffs are here. The playoffs are here. The playoffs are here. I can't say it any more times or any more ways. The playoffs are here. It finally has arrived after five long months of season. We have arrived at the cusp of the playoffs. You know, with uh, you know today being the day that Golden State goes ahead and takes care of Memphis with the final game of the play-in series, which has been absolutely, you know, phenomenal with, you know, the Celtics taking care of the Wizards in the 7-8 game. It was kind of like bleh. And then the Hornets just falling absolutely apart due to inexperience against the Pacers, only for the Pacers to turn around and just get absolutely mollywopped by the Wizards. Um, you know, it left a lot to be, you know, said and done about who was going to go where and I mean even the Memphis and San Antonio game while competitive was mainly because Memphis kind of let San Antonio back into the game so really a lot of the games three out of four I would say I mean the the better seeded team definitely asserted their dominance and, and it really wasn't close save for that Lakers Warriors game which is absolutely incredible now at this point I'm sure it's been talked about over and over again in various you know forms of media that you consume or, or you know through water cooler talk or whatever but all I could say is god dang was that a game I think I haven't been that enthused by a game where the stakes felt high the competition felt fierce even the staged comeback by the Lakers was just amazing to watch and I'm a Warriors fan right and at the end of that you know if a blind LeBron is going to hit a 35 footer over Steph at you know with three seconds on a regulation to go ahead and put the Lakers up three points to close out a, a, a very high stakes game well then so be it like that's one of those where you can't even really get mad at the outcome just because it didn't go your way because the game itself was just so back and forth well done worth talking about and absolutely made up for every other game that was played during this you know uh playing tournament week right like going back through the games i mean they, they they were really snooze fest not really competitive as i mentioned you know that memphis san antonio game was probably the closest to being really competitive <clears throat> but even still memphis basically had a control of it for the vast majority of the time but for you know golden state to take it to that lakers team and do so so convincingly and and had players playing really well sets it up for a western conference playoff bracket where every single series feels like a toss-up i mean for sure there's favorites yes but i mean one through eight in the west 
you can look at every single team that is currently in, and again, we're making assumptions that Golden State goes ahead and takes care of Memphis, but you can go ahead and look at that and say, you can make a case for any of the teams to win. Mavs, Clippers, toss-up. Portland, Denver, toss-up. LA, Phoenix, toss-up. Golden State, Utah, right? Even that's a toss-up. One versus eight is not necessarily a done deal, right? And I think the odds makers kind of understand that a bit. I mean, clearly, you know, betting on the series adds some, you know, uh, weight to what you're betting because you're you're not only betting on one game, you're betting on a collection of games, up to seven games. Uh, even more if you're betting on the exact finishes, which if you're betting exact finishes, like kudos to you, that's very hard to do. I think last year in the bubble through you know the first three rounds i bet every exact finish and i think i only ended up hitting one because it's just very very hard to do um as far as like hey this team is going to beat this team four to two or three four to one or you know freaking sweep or four three right like you have four options but you know four options for both teams so you really have eight options and so on and so forth so it just gets very hard to do but <clears throat> picking the team that's actually going to come out of the matchup i think gets a little bit easier and that's really what i'm going to be looking to break down for you today for both both conferences and of course we start in the west because i feel like the west is so stacked it's worth talking about and it's just incredible uh luck i think to have so many teams that have such a collection of talent matching up in this way you know so the first one i want to talk about is dallas and the clippers right and i think the clippers got a lot of shade for being the team that went ahead and tanked quote unquote to avoid the bracket that the lakers were going to be in right which ultimately could have backfired if the warriors had just had one less offensive foul call and were able to maintain the lead through the end of the game like there would have backfired but i don't really think that was the case with the clippers i don't necessarily think that they're ducking anybody the way that the media has portrayed them i really more so think that they had a collection of talent who's older who played a long season who collectively didn't miss a ton of games though the players that did were part of the core unit from the previous year and understands the system that they were trying to put in and i don't think that anybody was ducking anybody i think that they looked at their superstars slash their units that they're going to be putting on serge ibaka paul george Kawhi leonard rajon rondo like none of these guys are spring chickens none of these guys are donovan mitchell young jason tatum young right none of them are young these are like players that are you know into the tail ends of their primes or in the peak of their primes they're not they're not ascending right so with that being said if they take the last few games to really just get rested and prepared and enter the playoffs fully ready to go because they're going to need every single minute of every single game to get through this gauntlet of a western conference so is every single team but to say that they were ducking the Lakers is just, I just, I have to think it's a stretch because any team that's going to be competitive in the Western Conference will ultimately have to meet up with the Lakers at some point, right? Like if, if the Lakers are as good as they 
defending championship LeBron James Anthony Davis team should be right doesn't matter if you're on the other side of the bracket because more than likely you will have to face them whether it be in the first round second round or third and final Western Conference round like you're gonna have to face them so it doesn't make any sense to duck anybody what does make more sense is just to be rested relaxed and non-exhausted when these playoffs tip on Saturday I think that just makes sense I don't think anybody was ducking anybody but that's not the focus, right? Let's focus on the task at hand. I think the media just likes to take stories and run with them, and that's why I think this whole ducking thing came to be. But the Mavs are a team that played the Clippers in the bubble not too long ago, not even a year ago. These two teams matched up, though they do look fundamentally different as far as rosters, rotations, you know, who is actually going to be taking a majority of the minutes. For the Mavs, I think last year they had a situation where they got a weird ejection in a game that was early. Luka played absolutely phenomenally, but everybody around him kind of fell by the wayside, right? And for the Clippers, they've moved some pieces. Lemon Pepper Lou is no longer on the team, right? They brought in, you know, Nicholas Batum, right? They've made some moves on their end to go ahead and, and bolster what they have. Pat Beverly is finally back, right? He was here last year as well. But I think that with the coaching change of bringing in Ty Lue, a more player-centric coach that's going to be, you know, more flexible into what they run and, and his ability to let the players kind of dictate how they want to play in the style, which ultimately could backfire if, you know, they show that their will is gone. But, you know, same same matchup but i think it's got to be different this time i think it's going to be highly entertaining to watch you know dallas go up against the clippers but unlike last year where it was really really close and i think it went even to a game six this year i feel like the clippers just have a little bit more of an edge a little bit more of a rest a little bit more of a willingness to be there and the mavs have looked ultimately discombobulated for lack of better words and that's what i think the odds are where they're at so the mavs are plus 315 to go ahead and win the series the clippers are minus 410 right which means basically the mavs are three to one odds to come out of it if you look back at the season matchup that they had right luca averaged 30 points against the clippers they won two out of three games right which is very good that's what you want to see right but for the Clippers, their scoring was, I think, a lot more rounded, right? You have to kind of throw out that game early in the season. I don't know if any, if you can recollect back to December where the Clippers fucking lost by 50. Like, that's like a historically large loss until, you know, the 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 Raptor game that shall not be mentioned um, that the Warriors <laughs> went through, you know, in, in 2021. And I think that game was in February, but... The Clippers got absolutely shellacked by the Mavs and then followed that up with go with splitting the series, you know, the rest of the series 1-1. Like, the beautiful thing about the Western Conference is every team has played every team three times. So if you're 2-1, great. Or if you're 1-2, then you got a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And right now, the Clippers got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, right? They were missing Kawhi Leonard for one of the games that they played against the Clippers, and that was one of the losses. Paul George averaged 19 points in three games, and then Zubach was the next leading scorer after that with 13. Kawhi 
averaged 21 in the two games he played. But honestly, the Mavs just outgunned him. And that's, you know, Luka averaged 30 points in the three games. Again, it's him, him, Hardaway Jr., 18, so he's matching Paul George. Kristaps Porzingis supported another 17. Josh Richardson, another 14, 15 in those games, right? So they were just getting outscored. The plus-minus was crazy. They were getting outboarded. Like, the top, you know, rebounders were just basically crashing the boards all over the Clippers, who had some struggling center problems with you know Zubac and Ibaka both missing sometimes but those holes have now been filled right and the Clippers are going to be that team that have something to prove last year I think you know just to take some of the you know the other words that I think I've, I've you know seen and heard from around the league where the Clippers just kind of felt like they were going to waltz into you know the Western Conference Finals or the championships or whatever because they're riding the Kawhi coattails off his championship year with the Raptors that's all gone right Montrez Harrell Lou Williams like those players are gone Doc Rivers they're gone like this Clippers team now is new improved and it's got something to lose and for that reason I gotta go with the Clippers I think the Clippers get it done in six so if you want to bet on you know exact finishes I would I would literally bet on uh Sixers and six, which would give you the odds of plus three fifty, which isn't bad, right? The the only odds that are you know more of a sure thing according to the books is the Clippers winning four to one is plus two twenty, right? So the faith by the bookmaking gambling people at large right the bookmakers the bookmaking bookmakers is what i wanted to say but got to put in some filler words in there but the bookmakers clearly think that the clippers have a huge huge advantage and are only giving the mavs a single game right based on all the odds but i think the mavs end up squeaking out two games clippers ended up winning it in six potentially in dallas which would be pretty crazy but uh at plus 350 i gotta take the clippers to win in six so that's you know the first matchup that's really really good the next matchup we have is the one that was decided on wednesday right lakers suns which wow right (laughs) right how how can you imagine being the suns and having the season that you're having just to end up playing the lakers it almost feels like you know the suns are the two seed and the Lakers are the seventh, but they should be flipped, right? And they very well might, could have been, should, you know, the Lakers not have dealt with so many injuries as they had. And I don't really want to give them a scapegoat and say like, hey, the Suns, you know, are going to get absolutely wrecked now that the Lakers are healthy and you need to be at the full power of blah, 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 blah. Because we saw what that was against the Warriors on Wednesday. Now, the first half of that Lakers game, LeBron, AD, and Schroeder combined for the worst shooting field goal percentage of the Lakers all season, right? Like, they were shooting awfully. But that's not necessarily because their shot was off or because they were rusty, right? The defense that was played by the Warriors was top-notch, top-notch defense, right? And Draymond Green was the core at that. But I don't want to talk to, about the Warriors right now. I want to talk about the the Suns and what they can do to beat this Lakers team, Unfortunately, they do play a little slow, right? So if they get down big, I don't think they have the three-point firepower to catch up to a hot Lakers. So 
if the Lakers are able to warm up from three, kind of like they did in the back half of the game against the Warriors on Wednesday, then I think the Suns might be in trouble. But if the Lakers have struggles from deep, the way that Chris Paul orchestrates the offense and the way Monty Williams can schematic the de- defense and you know get some good play out of Devin Booker, I think he's ready to have that playoff pop, right, that he just hasn't had since he's been in the league because the Suns haven't made the playoffs, right? So you're dealing with a little bit of inexperience, but Chris Paul, I think, can cover with that, with his veteran leadership, right? And you're worrying about the ability for the team to hit three-pointers. But that being said, these teams have matched up three times, and the Suns have won two of them. Granted, AD and LeBron only played one game, and that's very likely the game that, you know, the the Suns end up losing. But in those games, I mean, the points averaged are low. I think team totals for each game are right around 100, right? So the totals are very low. And the Suns can beat this Lakers squad, but obviously the bookmakers don't think so because the odds are just not in the favor of of Phoenix, right? But even then, the best odds, quote unquote, is for the Lakers to win 4-2 at plus 320, right? Like those are the least payouts, what I mean by best odds, right? Best odds meaning it's most likely to happen according to the bookmakers, but they think the Lakers winning in six is the most likely thing, or it goes to seven and the Lakers win or the Suns wins. That's like the next most likely thing to happen. So even the bookmakers are at this point are saying the Phoenix Suns have the genetic DNA coding built within them to go ahead and take care of this Lakers team. Should they be able to orchestrate the defense? Should they be able to utilize Chris Paul's veteran leadership and basically bring out a a welcoming party for Devin Booker to the playoffs, right? I would be very, very surprised if the Lakers don't get out to maybe like a one or two game lead to kick off the playoffs and then end up dropping the next three before, you know, sending it to a game uh, seven, right? So I I have to, I want to bet on the Suns on this. And I think I am going to bet on the Suns on this because I don't see any reason not to because the odds are obviously very very good when you're betting on the suns you're at plus 135 which honestly you'd make more money betting on the mavs but plus 135 means the suns the money has come in on the suns or the suns have a very very good chance of knocking off this lakers team which has struggled which is still dealing with nagging injuries which is still you know kind of putting together the rotations like the one thing that really stood out to me on wednesday against this warriors team is that marcus all didn't play not one minute of that game and i don't know if that was because of a coach's decision dnp or something's up but they were playing like trez and hair and and drummond over gasol but gasol's like a knockdown shooter maybe because of you know, what he can do defensively versus Montrez and Andre Drummond. But to me, honestly, I think Montrez Harrell is overpaid and he's like a liability on the the defensive end as well as the offensive end. I just 
literally watching Montrezl Harrell play, I just don't like the way he plays. I think while he's pretty good and aggressive at getting rebounds, I think he fouls way too much. I think that he misses a lot of like really what I would consider easy putbacks, right? Nothing's really easy in the NBA, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like there's a lot of times where he gets a rebound and he feel he's like two to five feet away from the basket and he misses the putback. And maybe gets hacked and it's a foul that doesn't get called, whatever, right? Like, you can defend him however you want, but Montrez Harrell down low is not going to be as efficient or nimble as I feel like a Marcus Gasol could be. And you're, he, Marcus Gasol is a former defensive player of the year, and he didn't play a minute of a game where the Lakers were down by 13. Like, what is happening there, right? There's something under the surface that tells me that either Frank Vogel doesn't trust him or he's saving him or they really haven't figured out their optimal rotations and maybe they have a similar problem to what everybody said the Celtics had last year where they have too many guys and they don't really know how to create the best sum of all the parts and it could be possible but if you're in Tinseltown and you're you should be shaking in your boots because this Suns team could very well come in and make some moves. The other part is they don't have to travel. They have home court advantage. I think Arizona stadiums are going to be a little bit more full than Staples Center, uh, at least until June 15th when California opens, uh, which is its whole other topic. But at the same time, I mean, I want to believe in Phoenix, right? And I will and I will bet on them at plus 135. I think they finish it in six, not in seven. So my money is going to be on Phoenix, right? And I'm probably going to put some money on on finishing in six and finishing in seven because that way I'm covered whether or not they they win or not. I could be completely wrong. The you know it still is LeBron James who carried this 20 you know 16 Cavs team to a championship. Never never forget that right LeBron James especially that last finals he was in in 2018 that game one oh my god where he went for like 47 like got a triple double the the what will forever be known as the J.R. Smith game what gets lost in that is one of the absolute best single game playoff performances that have almost ever occurred right what that gets lost because of the the last you know five seconds of of regulation where J.R. Smith just made a bad play that could happen will it happen I don't know I mean LeBron got poked in the eye last last game he laid on the ground for 10 minutes game before that he rolled his ankle he was gone he you know and he was out for eight weeks with an ankle injury like that apparently doesn't go away we see Donovan Mitchell going through the same thing like these Lakers are injury prone they have incomplete rotation schedules as what i would say they have maybe the championship hangover where you know it's very very hard to repeat right it's been done it's harder to three-peat but it's been very hard to repeat it's just exhaustive right the whole season they're like hey we finished in october we turned around we started the season in december like I don't think that's a huge excuse. All the players that mean anything had a bunch of time off. Plus, they brought in a bunch of other guys that had time off because their teams didn't make deep runs. So, like, I think this Lakers team is in trouble, right? If they make it out of the first round, great, right? And I and I think that's what is to be expected of them. But I also believe in Phoenix and their ability to knock them out, right? Just need some really good play from Devin Booker, Chris Paul, 
and then the role players. The role players need to step up, step up, close out on defense, help on defense, right? Stay out of foul trouble, all that good stuff. Speaking of Donovan Mitchell, that brings me to the next series. Actually, let's let's save that one for last. Let's go ahead and go over Denver and Portland. This one, oh, oof, 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 oof. You have a Blazers team, right, that is getting absolutely red hot at the right time, which has been the biggest Achilles heel for this Blazers team for literally years, right? Like I feel like since Damian Lillard's been on the team, Every year when it comes to playoffs, somebody gets injured, whether it be McCollum with his broken back or it's Nurkic with a knee or Zach Collins or whoever it is ends up going out, right? And it's and it kind of sucks for Blazers fans, right? It sucks, right? There's no other way you can put it other than it sucks to be feeling like you have a shot, make it to the playoffs, and then ultimately fall apart at at the last minute right like literally like injuries right so these teams have played three times this year Jokic averaged you know 29 points um Michael Porter Jr. only 13 though he's gotten a lot more minutes you know since they've been playing but you know this Nuggets team hasn't been scoring a ton they're really gonna miss Jamal Murray's 24 25 points against you know the the backcourt of the quote-unquote mama's boys as Jalen Rose would call him Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum right who are averaging a combined 42 points against the Denver Nuggets and then everybody else is shooting great but like Carmelo's healthy and Scanter's healthy Norman Powell is healthy and it's been you know the right time for this Blazers team to go ahead and take over so with that being said, I mean, if if what for whatever reason, right, Michael Porter Jr. is able to elevate, Jokic is going to be playing like the MVP that everybody says he is, then the Blazers are in trouble. But with the three-point shooting, the, the big men that the Blazers had, I really think that the Blazers go ahead and take care of the Nuggets and, and force what is arguably an upset, even though the bookmakers have basically the Blazers winning in six as the most likely outcome uh and then you know after that the nuggets winning in seven so again highly competitive series blazers are actually minus 135 to come out of the series so you can tell that they really vegas thinks that the uh the nuggets are in trouble here which is i think strange based on how they've been playing even after losing jamal murray they've been playing great aaron gordon's been playing great that trade's been working out so it's really surprising that the the bookmakers have the Blazers so high. So maybe honestly, if you believe in the Nuggets and you're looking for a value play, you can get them for plus money here, uh, which wouldn't be the worst idea, right? If you if you don't believe in the Blazers and you don't believe in the coaching of Terry Stotts and the play from the backcourt of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, then go ahead, bet on the Nuggets to win the series. I mean, that, that like I said, this whole entire Western Conference is a bit of a toss up us to our last series the utah jazz versus the golden state warriors and if you can recall back just a touch ago the warriors actually beat the jazz now donovan mitchell was out i believe mike conley was out they will be back for the playoffs or should be by at least game two getting donovan mitchell back who is coming off that ankle injury which can be a nagging easily re-aggravated 
injury and on the Warriors side they're actually getting some players back with Damian Lee projected to be ready to go by tomorrow and of course of course we have to take care of Memphis whatever we're assuming that happened the Warriors with what how they played on Wednesday the Jazz should be worried now the odds aren't out so I can't give you the odds and, and pick who's favored and who's not they won't be out until you know hopefully you know t- tomorrow when when the Warriors go ahead and take care of Memphis. But what I can tell you is that Steph Curry didn't really even have like crazy, crazy games against the Jazz. I mean, yes, he's averaging 30, but that was his normal throughout the entire season. But what happened was because the Warriors actually beat the Jazz twice this year. Nobody remembers the first time because it happened so long ago, but they lost once, they won twice. But Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, even, you know, James Wiseman poured in 15, he's going to be gone. And that's really going to be the trouble is is filling in that big spot. But the Warriors proved on Wednesday that being undersized is not necessarily detrimental to the team so long as we're hitting shots and shooting at a high field goal percentage, which if you follow the trajectory and the shooting percentage for anybody that's played with Steph and this Warriors team from where they came from to being on the team to then leaving the team, everyone has left the team a better shooter than way they arrived. Now, is that working on the craft and just having more experience? Maybe. Is it the way that they run the offense and set their players up for those opportunities to score? Maybe. Or is it just some type of sick, mystic, magical power that Steph Curry can pass on as the world's greatest shooter to everyone around him that instills this type of confidence that has them knocking down shots? Maybe, right? It could be a cornucopia of reasons or a blending of everything to go ahead and figure out why exactly this is the way it is. But there's Utah Jazz ain't nothing to sneeze at, right? They are the highest percentage shooting three-point team ever. So think of that marquee matchup. You have the greatest shooter versus this season's best shooting team, right, collectively from deep. And... It could be a a trading of threes where if the Warriors fail to get hot, then it's going to be a long day for the likes of Steph and, you know, the super friends. The homer in me is picking the Warriors to go ahead and come out of this, and I think it would be a great story for them to go ahead and upset the one-seed Jazz and and come out of it. History shows, though, it's very, very hard for the eighth seed to beat the one seed. Now, as far as eighth seeds go, this is probably the best eighth seed that has been in a while because it has the greatest shooter on earth, Steph Curry, right? The defense is great too, right? Defense plus a player like him who can go for 50 or 60 on any given occasion should he get a little inch of daylight space, he can absolutely capitalize on that. And so the Jazz will need to obviously close out, chase, double team, and then hope that the Warriors don't shoot well because the defense on both ends is going to be great. Again, we have a team with a defensive player of the year winner, right? Two-time defensive player of the year and a candidate every single other year in Rudy Gobert. And Quinn Snyder, though likely hasn't game plan long to play against the Warriors, right? Maybe he's got other fish to fry or whatever. This is not a series that a normal one seed can just take off. Like, you know, if we look to the eastern counterpart but man 
I'm super excited just to watch what is going to go on in this Western Conference with everything, right? So if I had a gun to my head, pick a winner. I'm picking Clippers. I'm picking Blazers. I'm picking Lakers. And I'm picking that's right. I'm doing it anyway. I'm picking the Warriors to go ahead and come out of the West. Now, I will hedge and say, you know, of those, I feel like Phoenix and the Jazz can go ahead and take care of their prospective opponents and come out of the West. So then that would leave you with Phoenix, Utah, LA, Clippers, and the Portland Trailblazers, right? Those are your four teams coming out of the West, which I'd love to see any of those four teams make a really deep run. I feel like, you know, with the Clippers, they're always like Los Angeles Lakers, little redheaded sister, unloved brother of LA. Portland is a team that has always hung around the playoffs but never had much success except for the one Western Conference Finals run that they had. Phoenix, you know, the, you know the story there. No playoff appearances in the last eight years. And then before that, you know, I don't think they've ever won a championship uh, or even been close except for maybe the Barkley years and the Nash years in the in the 2005s, 2006 season. But then, you know, after that, there's just – there's just no reason to be mad at any of those four teams or, or, or feel like any of those four teams don't don't uh, deserve to move on. Same for the other four, but the other four have just had more success lately and just have more buzz and, and probably I should zig when I should have zagged and picked the other four, but whatever. Like I said, it's a toss-up, and these are the teams that I'm rolling with. So with that being said, that's that's where I see the Western Conference taking off. And let's take a quick pause and then very quickly – I'll go through the Eastern Conference because I just think it's a little bit easier to decide. So last year, the Bucks lost out to the Heat, and the Heat would eventually go on to lose in the finals against the Lakers, and the Lakers get their bubble championship. This year, though, I just haven't seen enough from the Heat to say that they would repeat their performance from last year. So it's like the Heat have been struggling all year. I think towards the end of the season, the, the play elevated a little bit, right? Not enough for them to be the division champs, which I'm still a little bitter about losing, right? But for the Heat, they they do have a player in Bam Adebayo that can, that can slow down Giannis, right? But then they would need Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, like all their ancillary players to go off in the same fashion that they did in the previous playoff runs, completely just just stop the Bucks from scoring. And I think the Bucks have actually gotten better as a team from last year, but have not gotten the attention that they deserve. And that's largely because I think they failed to capture the one seed for the third year in a row, which to do that three years in a row is just a lot of grind on the season. I think they're starting to slowly realize that the regular season doesn't matter as much as getting into the playoffs in a prime position, knowing your rotations, having the players around you ready to go and, and, and confident and being able to knock down the big shots when they matter. So I see this Bucks team going ahead and taking care of the heat. They have, obviously, a chip on their shoulder because of last year, right? Vegas thinks that 
the Bucks are going to win 4-1 and like pretty handedly at plus 250, right? The next odds after that are the Bucks winning in seven. I don't know why that that is necessarily the next odds, but then the Bucks in in six, and then after that everything's kind of even. But like for whatever reason, Vegas thinks it doesn't matter if it's in five, if it's in six, if it's in seven. But the Bucks are going to go ahead and take care of the Heat. Me, personally, I think I'm leaning towards six. I think the Heat are able to squeak out a couple games, same as they were against the Lakers last year. But can they put together enough to put away the Bucks? And my answer is no, right? I don't think that this Jimmy Butler-led team, who, in my opinion, has gotten a little worse, who hasn't gotten the play from their players that they expected this year, has kind of gotten really, really hot and then really cold, has had some really bad losses all year. I don't think this Heat team is structured in a way to make a deep playoff run. And having to play the Bucks just right off the bat, that's a tough draw. That's a tough draw for them. And for that reason, I think that, you know, I got to go with the Bucks in six at plus 400. That's just the best for me. Next series, we got the Hawks and the Knicks. This one is going to be highly interesting to watch. I don't think either of these teams are really going to make like an Eastern Conference Finals run. I don't think they're going to, you know, shock the world. I don't. I think the Hawks are young, discombobulated. You know, they they just figured out the head coach thing. They're they're inexperienced and and while hungry, I just don't think they have what it takes. The Knicks team, on the other hand, has been very well coached, also young, also inexperienced. Um, not as good offensively, but it's kind of like the immovable force of the Knicks defense versus the unstoppable, uh, immovable, sorry, I'm fucking that up. (laughs) Jesus, immovable object that is the Knicks defense versus the unstoppable force that is what can be the Hawks offense because they can get very hot both from deep and just from, you know, a playmaking situation should Trey you know, Trey Young get into the the right, you know, groove of things. But I think they're going to get out out coached by Tom Thibodeau, and the Knicks are going to go ahead and win this, whether it be in seven or in six, right? And I keep saying that for all these series, right? I don't think there's a single sweep anywhere on this except for maybe Nets over Celtics, but even then I don't think it's a sweep or maybe Sixers over Wizards. Those two would be my only sweeps that I really see. But this series especially, right? This is just kind of like the battle of the mediocre in the Knicks and the Hawks. I don't think the Hawks get out of this round. I think the Knicks go ahead and continue giving the city of New York a lot to to love and and go ahead and take care of the Hawks. I'm going to call it in six. I'm not going to say I this this series isn't going to go to seven. I think the Knicks go ahead and, and win. They just have, while they don't have more experience necessarily, I just feel like their coaching is better and ultimately their defense is going to what be what leads to them pulling the series out. Because I mentioned it, obviously, the next one to talk about is Celtics-Nets. Celtics have been an absolute train wreck, even though Jason Tatum had that 50-burger the other day. The Nets with the big three, three-headed monster, like, there's just too much for them to cover. What I will say about the Celtics, though, I think that Kemba Walker has gotten forgotten, right? Even in that 50-burger that Jason Tatum dropped, Kemba Walker found a way to drop 30 in the game, right? I think in only, like, 25 minutes, he was able to drop 30 points, which is absolutely phenomenal, but... The Nets just so much firepower, so much from deep. 
Like the inexperience at coaching doesn't really matter because they have so much experience on the floor with, you know, Kyrie being a champion, KD being a two-time champion, with James Harden making multiple, multiple deep playoff runs, right? And then the other players around them just doing phenomenal as well. This could very well be a sweep, even at 4-1 and one for the Nets. It's at plus 180, but if you're going to want to bet a sweep, go ahead and bet the Nets sweep the Celtics at, at plus 260. I mean, you know, it's 2-1 to one odds, basically, so you know you're getting a good deal there, and I just think that happens. Same with this Wizards-Sixers series. Like, I think the Sixers are coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Same deal. They They got the new coach. They got you know, everything moving and grooving at a time. Embiid could potentially get snubbed, quote-unquote, for MVP with Jokic and, and Steph Curry making their deep push and being finalists. But the the Wizards, while have been playing phenomenally, right, they just lost to the Celtics team that is nowhere near equipped to make a deep, deep playoff run the way the 76ers are. So I foresee... That this also being a sweep at plus 420, I just I feel like, you know, one of these two series, whether it be the Celtics or the Wizards, one of those two teams is going to be out by the end of next week, basically, by four games from now. So while I think the Western Conference is a lot more interesting and noteworthy, I think the Eastern Conference is a lot more predictable, right? We have the Sixers, the Nets, the Knicks, and the bucks going ahead and taking care of business all of them are basically the higher seed right those are seeds one through four they're all going to take care of business maybe i'm wrong and the hawks squeak through but i would be very very surprised if any other team managed to come out of the series other than the ones i just mentioned but no matter what when these games tip off on saturday i'm going to be in yosemite camping i'm going to be by a river i'm going to be out in nature but as soon as i'm back as soon as I'm back, I'm watching all of these games from start to finish, whistle to whistle, and I'm just going to be absolutely enthralled because we have reached the precipice of what this is all about. And that's playoffs, baby. And that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> we make deep, deep playoff pushes. We, we love to see when the stakes are high. There's no more well when it matters, they might do it this way because now it matters for every single team. Every single team is putting their best foot forward every single game because it matters. And the fans will be back. My prediction is the fans will be back by the second round probably in full force, right? Which will be fucking fantastic, right, as the vaccines roll out. Especially here in California, like everything's getting lifted, you know, in a matter of three weeks. So with that being said, like these stands are going to be absolutely rocking and maybe all the talk throughout the whole year about home court not mattering because there's not going to be fans is going to dissipate because fans are coming back. Fans are coming back. The playoffs are coming back. Summer's coming back. We are feeling good, feeling great. So I hope your favorite team is in the playoffs or if not, then you can root for mine and rooting for the Warriors. Play some bets. Let me know if they were they were like mine or, or not at all like mine at PJ Showcase on Twitter, at PJ Showcase on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening and rocking with me on this Friday or Saturday or Sunday or whenever you're listening to this. And, you know, we'll see you next week when the series are kind of at their halfway point to see if we might need to hedge our bets anywhere or, or make a difference. But with that being said, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for listening. Um, I do have to ask that you leave me a review if you're listening on Apple because that way I can move up the charts and, and reach more people. And, you know, and I, and more importantly, I can continue to improve the show, right? Made some, make some changes to give you guys what you want. But as always, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.